Welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week, we will discuss a massive round of funding for Copenhagen-based trade shift. We have updates from two top European startups, iZettle and Prezi. We have Axel Partners that has brought a very cool new hire on board. Our editor, Robin, also has a chance to catch up with Prezi. And we will wrap up with a discussion about a few articles that made the European ecosystem go crazy this past week. Let's jump right in with Danish startup TradeShift, who secured $75 million D round. TradeShift, for anyone who doesn't know, is a global business-to-business platform that helps companies run more efficiently. They provide a number of cloud services to improve invoicing, workflow, supplier management, that kind of thing. The company originally founded in 2009 in Denmark is now headquartered in San Francisco. I guess they've also got a number of other offices around the world. Obviously, in Copenhagen, they've maintained an office, but also in London. In Munich, Paris, Tokyo, and more. Yeah, I mean, just a point on on kind of where they are and stuff like that, because a lot of people in Denmark kind of, or the Nordics even kind of assume kind of trade shift have flown the nest. And, uh, you know, they are headquartered in San Francisco now. Actually, I had a a Twitter exchange with their founder and CEO recently, uh, and he was telling me that 50% of the company or of their employees are still in Copenhagen. And they have like a hundred open positions there. So I just thought I'd point out, but this is, yeah, they may be headquartered in San Francisco now, but this is definitely very much a kind of European company and at least a success story in the sense that they've, they've gone on quite a journey so far and now have raised another decent round. Yeah, I think this round of funding was actually led by US-based Data Collective, who has invested in companies like Elasticsearch, Parse, Periscope, has a very impressive portfolio. Um, They also have other uh, investors like HSBC, American Express Ventures, Notion Capital, and more. TradeShift currently services over 800,000 businesses in 190 countries. So that's really impressive. And one of the investors in this round, which is Credit Ease FinTech Investment Fund, said that it will assist TradeShift with expanding to China. So I think TradeShift actually follows two trends that I can see from European startups to work with both China and the US. I mean, I think we've always seen European startups go after US investors. I think Actually, as you said, it's not that they completely move the entire team to the U.S., but usually management team, and then they keep a number of core operations on the ground in Europe. But it also feels like more and more startups are seeking Chinese or Asian investors to help with Asian expansion. I think one of the companies we covered recently was Farfetch. They had raised a huge round, including Asia-based investors. And I think we're seeing this happening more and more. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting they're going off to China now because actually TradeShift were, were kind of pre the trend in the sense that they were able to, well, their last their Series C round was led by Centum Ventures, who are actually in Singapore. Um, and it was very much about kind of moving into Asia and stuff like that. So in a way, they're kind of ahead of that trend. But now they're very much, like you say, kind of going after the kind of the China. That's the thing now that European startups are thinking more and more about. So yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. They're, they're really kind of focusing their efforts there and also just a couple of points on the round itself so i actually saw a a sec filing uh, back in march where they had actually secured you know this was kind of just 
dug out by someone and it came to my attention 20 million of a 65 million round so they've obviously been able to actually kind of oversubscribe the round it's actually closed at 75 and the sec filing says at that point they'd closed 20 of 65 so there obviously was a lot of interest still the other thing is is that their valuation was said to be by wall street journal just over 500 million i found that a little surprising perhaps because i thought that they were already valued at about that and also they've now raised over 200 million probably close up to 250 so to be valued at 500 isn't necessarily you know you would you would probably be uh, expecting a little higher valuation. So I wonder whether there is something. I, I can't say that I, I know of anything, but I was a little surprised that the valuation wasn't a little higher. I, I kind of expected that their next round would probably see them up and around the billion dollar valuation mark, at least if it followed the same trend that we'd been seeing recently in the last couple of years in terms of how much companies has raised and where they're valued. So perhaps this is kind of now leveling out a little bit in Europe too. Yeah, I think uh, that is very surprising for a 500 million valuation. And it could actually even be an error or it could be that they were covering a valuation prior to this round. But uh, that is very surprising indeed. Now, I think there are a few reportedly hot startups that we haven't covered in a while, including Swedish iZettle and Hungarian Prezi. So here is a little update on both of them. First, starting off with Sweden's iZettle, the payments company that competes with Square, has just celebrated its fifth birthday. Actually, I realized... Square and iZettle, they launched at more or less the same time. For some reason, I had always thought Square launched way before. But I admit I haven't heard too much about iZettle for a while. I started to see a lot more iZettle devices, however, in London especially. And according to the company, 1,000 businesses are joining its service every day. That just sounds ridiculous to me. They've launched the iZettle Reader most recently, allowing small businesses to accept credit card and contactless payments even faster than before. Um, And they've even launched a new price scheme that went live on June 1st. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a company that has done very well. And I, I certainly think they're one of kind of Sweden's most prominent tech companies. They're another one of those companies as well that you expect when the next round did, uh, you know, they will get that billion dollar valuation or probably, you know, they may already be there, maybe just below. So they're another one at that kind of level, at the trade shift level of a company that's been around for quite a while now and has kind of got a lot of investment as well, but isn't necessarily kind of as, as glorified as the others. But it's one that's just going hard about its business and uh, doing well and kind of sucking up more and more of the market and as you say kind of in london and in the uk they've certainly kind of done quite well in expanding there so yeah no another another very strong company iZettle. And another one, obviously, is Prezi, a company that we haven't talked about for a while, but the Hungary-based startup made headlines a while ago with its innovative cloud-based presentation software. I feel like there was a period of time where everything felt like it was done on a Prezi. The company apparently hit 75 million users, which is huge for any company, but especially, I feel, for a European-based and maybe a Hungary-based company, even though they're very global at this stage. This is up from 60 million users, which was the last number reported in September of 2015. So actually huge growth for their for their user base they released Prezi Business, which is a range of business-focused tools that include integration with Slack, engagement analytics, audience collaboration tools, and remote presenting. The company started in 2009, counts over 260 million presentations or Prezi's on its platform. Yeah, I mean, they've been around for a while as well. And I, I really like um, Peter, one of the founders. Uh, he, I think he's Swedish originally, actually, and I've come across him a few times. Really, really impressive guy, very intelligent, and kind of also very passionate about the space that they're in. And kind of they're, they're seeing some really good progress. My favorite thing about them is is that they're kind of 
from Hungary, right? That's kind of cool when it shows how diverse Europe is. You can pretty much produce a solid company from anywhere, providing you have kind of, you know, got something about you. It doesn't really matter where you are. And kind of, you know, I, I love the fact that they're from Hungary and, and kind of most people in Europe, I would say at least, kind of know who they are, which is great. Yeah, and I think we will be hearing more from them later as Robin also gets a chance to catch up with them. Now, Excel Partners made a lot of headlines this past week with regards to a new hire that just joined the team. Their company has apparently recruited an ex-Facebook executive to join as its first Israel-based partner. This is Nir Bloomberger, uh, who was previously a corporate development exec at Facebook, primarily leading M&A in virtual and augmented reality, video and messaging. The company, that's Excel Partners, is launching its Tel Aviv office after making over 30 investments in Israel. This includes companies like Fiverr, Imperva, and E8 Storage, which are all part of its portfolio. So I'm sure we can see Excel make a lot more Israel-based investments in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that surprised me about this really was I was almost kind of shocked that they don't have someone on the ground, really. I mean, they've, like you say, they've done 30 investments already. So so kind of it makes sense to, to actually get a partner there, right, when you've done that many investments. And also, like, I actually think there's such a big opportunity in Israel. I mean, it's, it's actually got one of the best exit records the rounds are kind of slightly higher, so you kind of need some some money to compete there. But kind of for Excel or Index, those type of bigger funds, I think there's a hell of an opportunity in Israel. If you look at kind of the track record, there's not many. I mean, you know, whether it's Europe or not Europe, we include it as Europe on TechEU, certainly when we talk about the tech scene. I think, you know, there's probably no better place to actually be looking for solid investment. So, yeah, I think it's a great move and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think actually probably it it was probably about having the right partner on the ground. But also, I think Israel is a much more competitive market for investments. Obviously, you have Sequoia that has a local office there and all of the different funds, you know, when when they come outside of the U.S., I think they can't help but look at Israel. So probably right that Excel set up a local office. Now, our editor Robin also had a chance to catch up with Prezi. Hey, this is Robin from TechEU. I'm here in Sofia for the Digital Conference. I'm here with Peter Holacci from Prezi, very well-known Hungarian startup. Can you briefly tell us what Prezi is? Yeah, so Prezi is a presentation tool, idea-sharing tool. The big concept is that instead of slides, we have a big canvas and you can zoom on your idea. So it's a visual communication, more visual communication than the slides. How long has the company been around? Uh, we start, we launched in 2009, so that's, what, seven years? Oh, that's seven years. Mm-hmm. Getting or, old. Uh, yeah, the company is eight years, so all the product is seven years. You raised quite a lot of funding, especially for a European startup. How, how much did you raise so far? Oh, in total, I never added. I guess we raised 1.5 and then 14 and then 55, so it's in total $70 million. Still have cash in the bank? Yeah, we have cash in the bank. We are Our business is going well. Give me some numbers. Uh, so we have more than 65 million users. We celebrated recently the 1 billion views, which is a really big thing because we have the largest database of presentations and ideas online. So in the last nine years, we, you know, we collected so many presentations. Uh, I don't even know how many millions, but it's a big number. How many people are you now? Uh, we have 240 people, 117 Budapest, and make your calculation in San Francisco. Right. The, the product is designed and made in Budapest, 
and sales and marketing is in San Francisco. Got it. Okay. Um, so you recently, very recently, actually launched Prezi for Businesses. So, so your first professional... It's Prezi for Business. Prezi for <laughs> Business. Okay. So what's Prezi for Business and why only now? Uh, so we spent the last couple of years of building this product. We were a flash-based product. I, I think customers never really get that, but we changed the whole technology stack. We made, we re-implemented or remade the whole UI, how you create presentation, the workflow, and why now? Because I think the new generation of people, the, the millionaires, they need a different tool in the business. So we were a really big thing in, in education and business, but I think the businesses need a, a, a more visual tool. It's more collaborative, Prezi for business, so it helps the workflow, how people, teams work together a presentation. This is what we learned from this industry, that presentations are made by teams, and that's that's a great thing. And the more millionaires join the, the market, the more teamwork we will see. So so that's, that's why we are launching Prezi for Business. Now. Got it. Okay. What will make this product successful? When will you be happy with uh, Prezi for Business? What do you want to achieve? I think this is a better presentation tool for everyone in every business and education. So, so you want tens of millions of users. Of course, billion, billion people. So I would like everybody to share ideas better and communicate better. Everyone. I mean, this is this is for the humanity. I mean, it's not just for some salespeople. And so the the end goal, or, or for people like me, conference talker. No, everybody should or could, and we would like to empower to share ideas better. Um. So tell me more about the startup scene in Budapest or in Hungary in general. So we had a recent big exit. We were very, very happy for Ustream, acquired by, by IBM. I think they were one year older than Prezi, so eight or nine years old yeah, company. There are other successes, smaller successes, and I can see a lot of, lot of, lot of people who really want to build, build something. So we have conferences, hackathons. I think it's very similar to every other European or Central Eastern European scene. Right. Um, any startups in particular, like the new generation of startups that you're really excited about? To be honest, I couldn't spend so much or didn't spend so much time with the startup scene because I was really focusing on this product in the last yeah. couple of years. I have a favorite one, but I don't know their names, but they are building uh, the AI for auto navigation, you know, this car, the, the, yeah. what's the name of this Connected car, driverless cars. Yeah, yeah, the, the software AI for driverless nice. car, and the, these kind of softwares make me really exciting. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, uh, maybe if you exit Prezi or you go public at some point, you can start, you know, becoming an agent investor in the in the region and give back to the community. Personally, I don't think that I'm an investor type. I mean, no? I like to build. And I like to help people, but investing is so different. You have to make decision that others will build something. I, I would like to be part of the building process, and I would like to have the community to change their mindset. I, I really believe if we could upgrade our own mindset, I could upgrade my mindset, and we really believed in the success and the positive future that can help us to really do big things. That's ending on a positive note. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. 
finally, there were a few articles that got the European ecosystem a bit riled up this week. First, we had a guest post on tech.eu on why the US is no longer the dominant engine of global innovation and why Europe will probably overtake it. Neil, did you get a chance to read this post and what did you think? I'm going to be completely honest and admit that I haven't had a chance to read this post yet. I am kind of looking forward to it, but I could certainly kind of give my thoughts, uh, at least on the the kind of very provocative headline. And I, I, I think that I am someone who is a very, very bullish about the European scene. And I'm always promoting it. I believe we can build incredible companies from here. I believe we can build billion dollar companies from here. And I think we can compete with the US in certain areas. But even me, someone who is so positive about the scene, I find it very hard to make a case for why, you know, why we're more dominant than the US right now. For me, there's way too many problems with regulation. It's still kind of, you know, it's not cohesive enough as a region. You know, Europe has many, many problems still that will still hold us back from kind of, you know, the next Google or Facebook. I actually, I was speaking to Nicholas Sendstrom earlier this week, and he, you know, he believes that we could do that in Europe. But for me, I still struggle to to truly believe that. So I think the US are ahead. But I'm kind of hoping that you will give us some of the reasons why uh, they suggest that, it, that, that Europe is uh, better than US already. Yeah, well, I have to say, I do get really tired of the whole US, Europe, who's better, yes. who's winning uh, arguments. But this is a really interesting article that kind of takes a more, I think it's a bit of more of an academic approach. It's written by somebody who's done a PhD in the topic with regards to entrepreneurship and ecosystem development. So it's a really interesting take, brings a lot of different aspects, um, looks at kind of urbanism and urban development. You know, it's not just like a traditional, you know, VC investment here versus there, and that's it. So he has some really interesting arguments. Um, he says it's easy to overlook the vibrancy of entrepreneurship in Europe if you look strictly at some of the local recent political events like Brexit or the refugee crisis. Um, he goes on to say that while the U.S. may continue to lead in the VC space, he doesn't believe that venture capital will be the most important metric for entrepreneurial growth. And he says that he believes also Europe to be leading in the smart city space. And he also points to what he calls soft infrastructure for entrepreneurship as an area on the rise in Europe. And I, I see what he means by that in his article to be a lot of um, spaces for startups. So co-working spaces, fab labs, things like that. These types of environments seem to really be developing and, and lots of services being put into place. So we should expect to see a lot of entrepreneurial growth as a result. I think it's a really interesting uh, take on it. It maybe in some ways, I feel like it's got a very advanced look at the topic and in other ways, perhaps a little bit limited in its arguments, especially like number of fab labs and number of co-working is always a really kind of silly metric to go by, but definitely encourage readers to check it out. Another article that actually got everyone all crazy, and especially in France this past week, was an article John Evans published on TechCrunch. Apparently, he came and visited Paris and had a few meetings here and there, primarily with government officials, from what I understood, and he left feeling that France didn't offer much in terms of entrepreneurship. And I think it's really difficult for people to develop a correct understanding of a local entrepreneurial environment just by meeting a few people and visiting a few select organizations. They will obviously view the ecosystem through the prison or whatever or whoever they meet. Um, but in reading his post, we get a feeling that he didn't really meet anyone that actually drives our ecosystem. None of the leading French startups, accelerators, funds. I mean, I, I was really actually surprised that he made such a strong judgment on meeting with so few people. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have come across this article, and I did come across the, this discussion. Uh, and I have to admit to, to being surprised as well. I mean, one of the things that crossed my mind was, did he genuinely believe that he'd got you know, a real insight into the ecosystem um, without meeting any of, the, of those people. I mean, I know, for, you know, as part of the discussion, I know that he didn't meet the family, which could be argued as, as kind of one of the most important players in the ecosystem. Um, I don't know who else he didn't meet. But, you know, for me, I think it's, yeah, of course you're not going to get a, a great kind of understanding of what's truly happening if you're only meeting with government officials. I mean, from the countries that I deal quite closely with, most government officials haven't got a clue with what's going on in their local entrepreneurship or, or startup hubs, you know, at all. So, you know, I, I understand how he got the impression, but it must be because who we met with. My, my kind of question is, I wonder whether it was actually if, if he realized kind of if he got a true reflection or not. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's a kind of to draw an equivalent, it would be like me going to San Francisco and meeting the government of San Francisco, who's probably going to tell me we have issues with Uber and Lyft and I don't know what. And, um, you know, and they're not going to give me an accurate picture of, you know, the number of uh, uh, amount of investment raised, number of exits or, you know, any of that kind of thing. So I don't know actually what was discussed, but in reading his comments and his thoughts, you just get a feeling that he read anything and drew some harsh conclusions. But naturally, upon reading his article, The French Ecosystem, who's actually doing very well in Europe, as we've mentioned previously on the podcast, reacted strongly to his criticism. Um, there were a number of articles, you know, in French media talking about what he'd said. But what I loved was the reaction of VentureBeat journalist Chris O'Brien. So Chris lives in Toulouse. He moved here a few years ago from the U.S. And I think he said it perfectly when he encouraged the French ecosystem not to care what foreigners write. Yeah, that worries me a little bit when I think about the Nordic web and what I do, because I'm technically a foreigner. <laughs> so his comment did worry me slightly. <laughs> Might put me out of business, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't got a job anymore if uh, too many people agree with that statement. Um, but I, yeah, you know, I also liked Chris's reaction. And it is true. I mean, you have to take it with a pinch of salt. And you touched on a very good point as well. I mean, I have been shocked, as we've mentioned several times on the podcast this year, about how well French, the French scene is performing, especially especially in terms of investments, exits, interest and acquisitions happening. Like, I feel that it's almost like a resurgence this year, to be completely honest. So it comes at an odd time in the, in the way that probably people in the scene think, wow, kind of France is really looking up at the minute. And then all of a sudden this comes out and you think, you know, it's, that's very odd because that doesn't seem to be what's actually happening right now. So, yeah, but these things will happen. You know, you get this type of, you know, negativity and, and you know, often unfounded. And that is kind of part and parcel of it, especially when you kind of bring in government and, you know, try and mix it all up. So, yeah, I agree with Chris in, in terms of taking it with a, a pinch of salt. But please don't take that statement too strongly. Else, No one will read my publication anymore. Yes, and I'm also a foreigner to the French ecosystem, so happy to agree with you on that one, Neil. Hopefully, though, other foreigners that come to France or to Europe will maybe take the time to really get a good look at the ecosystem before drawing harsh conclusions. Yes, no, certainly I agree with that. And that's it for this week. We're obviously on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast. You can give us feedback by reaching out to us on Twitter at Neil SW Murray, at Roxanne Vaza, at tech underscore EU. And the website, of course, is tech.eu. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.